episode two of the Courtside Rant with Colin and Grant. In episode two, we're going to be talking about Carmelo Anthony on the Oklahoma City Thunder and Dwayne Wade joining LeBron James on the Cleveland Cavaliers. All right, Colin, what are your initial thoughts surrounding Carmelo Anthony to OKC? Um, well, well, first, Grant, I'm just thrilled that the NBA keeps giving us more and more topics to talk about. Definitely. Um, they just keep getting thrown at us each and every day. We could even make a podcast about college basketball if we wanted with all the breaking news <laughs> about all the scandals and stuff. But we're, we're sticking strictly to NBA today. Uh, once again, Sam Pressy for the win. <laughs> for the win. Uh, if, you're not, if you're not first, you're last, and he's definitely first right now. Uh, I like the addition of Carmelo to OKC. It was kind of, you know, out of nowhere, just like the Paul George trade. And I think it, it solves a lot of issues for OKC. And I'm not just talking on court, because it, it definitely does solve some issues on court, but I'm talking more off court on the books thing, getting rid of Ennis Cantor and um, who, they, who was the other person they ended up trading? It was Cantor and, oh, Doug McDermott. Yeah, who, Doug so, McDermott. Um, so as a lot of you guys know, and as you know, Grant, two summers ago, or last summer, uh, Cantor was a restricted free agent, and he signed a offer sheet with the Trailblazers, and it was either a max or pretty close to a max. Yeah. And um, OKC matched it, and that was the big speculation of that whole summer. Like, do they really want to give someone who doesn't play defense that money. Ultimately, they ended up doing that, and their their cap hold with him just alone was roughly $27 million, which is absurd <laughs> for a guy that isn't even really starting on your team most of the time. So you, you offloaded that, and then you offloaded McDermott, who I, I liked him on the Thunder, and he was definitely an interesting aspect of their team, just like spacing the floor, and I feel like he could have really developed with them. He was also nearing his end of his rookie scale contract, so he definitely was wanting to get paid. So it, it, it kind of balanced out. I definitely agree. I feel like my initial thoughts, you know, when you look at that lineup one through five, you know, obviously with Russell Westbrook, I assume Andre Robertson is going to be the shooting guard. Then you have Paul George at small forward, Carmelo Anthony, and then Steven Adams. The amount of change for their offense in terms of floor spacing is honestly incredible. There were so many times when I was writing my you know in-depth breakdown mm-hmm. of Victor Oladipo and how he could take the next step as an offensive player, I, uh, I saw a whole lot of sequences where there were like, you know, Taj Gibson and Steven Adams and Ennis Kanter, you know, a combination of those guys just hanging out in the paint. And then you would have Robertson's man not respecting him at all as a shooter. So you'd have like possibly three defenders forming a wall in addition to Oladipo's defender. And that happened a lot to Westbrook as well. So you can only imagine going from that type of just terrible brick wall type of conditions to literally having two extra shooting threats, like great shooting threats, because George and Mello are just fantastic catch and shoot players, so it's just it's just a massive difference. Uh, and you were talking about how um, that too will probably be Andre uh, Robertson starting, and I'm uh, you, you're 100 percent correct. But I think you know later on in the season, definitely into next season, I think that's going to be uh, Terrence Ferguson. 
Oh. And so you add him in, who's he's a basically a traditional three and D wing. So I know Roberson was kind of supposed to be that, but the defensive side developed. But I, I think Ferguson definitely is more well rounded on the offensive side. So if you swap those two, have Roberson come in, you know, as a six man, that's fine. But then you have Westbrook out there, and we I don't need to explain Westbrook at all because we all know what he's capable of doing. Then you throw Ferguson out there who can space the floor and apparently is a super, uh, superb shooter from, from deep. Then you throw in George, who we all know about already, and then you throw in Melo now, what you were talking about, catch, both of them catch and shoot, really good catch and shoot shooters. And then you know you just throw in uh, Adams because you obviously need a center like him. But I, I just think... I kind of want to make a Super Bowl prediction. I'm not going to lie. I, I think Westbrook could definitely get close to his triple-double number from last year. Just thinking about His scoring's definitely like his scoring's like definitely going to be down, don't get me wrong, but to have a triple-double, you only need 10 points. And when everyone now is going to be focused on Westbrook just because of the season he had, now look who he has to pass to. And that was the issue with the Thunder team last year, like when the Thunder came and played the Suns, when Westbrook was possibly going to break the record, I went and I was like, who, who wouldn't want to watch this? But he would have broken it, but I think out of 15 passes to, I want to say, Adams, McDermott, and Robertson, I don't remember off the top of my head, but a couple of players, I think they're when Westbrook passed them and they shot, I think they were like two for 15 or something oh my from the field. So just think he could have easily gotten that record, triple-double record sooner. But I just, that's why my bold prediction is he's going to get close to it. And I'm not going to uh, leave off the table that he couldn't surpass it because I, I think there's a chance. So you, you, you never know in today's NBA, but you heard it here first. I, I, I think he's going to get up there. You know, I feel like overall, as a you know scorer and a facilitator, I feel like his efficiency will naturally go up, even with opportunity going down, if it does, of course. Because, you know, naturally, the highest usage player in NBA history, adding another high usage player like Paul George, and then another, you know, I would assume at least, like, upper middle class usage, Carmelo Anthony. I would say that will naturally go down unless he just has these obscene spurts throughout the game where he's the the lone guy of the trio on the court and he's just getting like forty plus percent usage rate, which I don't th- I don't see that really happening a whole lot. But yeah, I I just think the difference when you go, you know, as we were talking about earlier with the floor spacing. He's going to have so many easier opportunities to just blow past players. Because of Melo. Yeah, yeah, just straight up, like, whether it's just, like, from a set defensive standpoint, a pick and roll, transition, anything. Like, it, everything becomes easier from an individual scoring perspective. And, you know, the facilitation becomes easier, too, because he'll have players that can finish plays. Would you rather have... Carmelo Anthony spotting up from three or Taj Gibson taking an awkward mid-range jumper <laughs> with in no man's land where you don't really want to give it to him because it's a bad shot. So it's just like huge differences that we can go on all day about. But, uh, you know, bottom line too is the defensive side of the ball will get better for 
Oklahoma City, I feel like, 100%. too. 100%. Because, you know, they're two elite perimeter defenders, Roberson and George, obviously. And I feel like Carmelo Anthony at the four is probably quite a bit better defensively than he is at that, the three. That's what I was actually going to bring up here in a second. Your thoughts? As most of you guys know, uh, the Thunder have put out that he will be starting at the four this year after a reporter asked Melo if he's okay with coming off the bench. <laughs> um, but he will be starting at the four, you know, depending on if Donovan, you know, changes li- uh, lineups game to game. But for right now, he's starting at the four, like like what you were getting at. What are your sort of thoughts, Grant, on transitioning from playing the three basically his whole career now to playing and starting at the four this year? I think it's well overdue. I feel like someone who doesn't, I don't know if it's, incapable or just doesn't want to move his feet defensively or is just too tired from having too great of an offensive burden which could be you know um kind of like forced upon himself in a way because i feel like it's kind of like that kobe bryant mentality where he you know he know he darn well knows what he needs to be doing but he favors the challenge of a difficult shot over the simple plays (laughs) you know like so I feel like he could have like almost a renaissance. Yeah, you, of, you yeah. think we could see a revival in Carmelo's career? I feel like we could just not even remember New York Mellow and just have Olympics Mellow. You know, Olympics Denver totally Mellow. Yeah, because yeah. you also have to realize too, players like like from you know following Paul George during his time in Indiana, he really values name brand players. You oh know? yeah, I mean he yeah. he talked about it a little bit mm-hmm. uh, when they were interviewing him at Media Day about how he really enjoyed how loyal Westbrook was to the Thunder and what he's done for the community and likewise um, for the Thunder towards Westbrook and just what he's been able to do. And like he said, he wanted to be a part of that. I know part of that's probably just, you know, he he was told, you know, say something along these lines. But I generally think he he definitely, like you said, saw name brand, now you add George. and Exactly. And it's just, it's kind of weird um, because... He played in Denver, which is, it's not a small market, but it, I mean, it's not the biggest, but then he moves to New York, which is one of the top two biggest markets in the country. And then now he's in Oklahoma. <laughs> um, and it's definitely not the lifestyle Carmelo's used to, but I, I do think that change of scenery, kind of what, you know, how like when teams trade rookies that don't really pan out, they kind of just swap them and the change of scenery helps eat both of them. I, I think we could see that happening for Carmelo here, and like you said, that renaissance, that revival. Hoodie mellow, Olympic mellow. Stay mellow. Yeah, so, and I another, this is kind of a little off topic, not really, but another bold prediction. I, I think Paul George is going to resign. I honestly just, just now, too, yeah. The, I, I think he still would have resigned without Melo. It definitely would have been a little more up in the air. But now that they brought Melo in, and now George has even stated, I don't want to follow the money. I want to go where I can contend and win. And he, he's not going to do that with the Lakers here in the, this year or next year if he went. I, I definitely agree with you there. I also think it's a bad look to have been found guilty of tampering and then to go to the team the next summer. Exactly. An entire fan base that already is not having a favorable perception of you that you basically grew up with during your NBA career would basically, 
it's time to get the Zippo lighters. <laughs> Anyone who still has a Paul George jersey, it's just it's just fi- it's blazing time. Like that's just they, they would just freak out. Like it would be bad. I'm yeah. I'm not gonna lie. Paul George looks better in a Thunder jersey. Pacer listeners, please don't hate me, but it's it's the truth. <laughs> well, you know. Um, <laughs> I, I I don't know about that one, but you know, at least the new Nike ones. The new yes, I I actually I'll take the easy out on that one. I do think the new Nike uniforms do look much better, and I'll give you the edge there. I'll give you the edge. That uh, statement jersey looks really nice. I really do like that. But yeah, you know another thing I, I thought was interesting was Carmelo said on Sirius XM earlier today that there was a deal in place that would have sent Paul that. George and himself, Carmelo Anthony, to the Cleveland Cavaliers. And there was also that deal prior to that of him going to Houston, which we all thought was going to happen this summer. And then, like like with the Cavs, it just... I, I don't know how it just kind of ended. <laughs> I think it was a couple of general managers not wanting to make the Eastern Conference bigger and better, you know, mm-hmm. with, you know... For whatever reason, two teams that would have rebuilt, uh, maybe it was a pride thing, thinking they can, you know, get back in the saddle sooner than a lot of us or, you know, other people think. But ultimately, I feel like in some sort of, like, 4D chess way, the stubborn nature of, you know, Indiana management and the New York management could end up preventing the Lakers from possibly building a super team, if you think about it. (laughs) Yeah, he's in some strange, weird, alternate universe that we live in now, where all these crazy moves have happened. Where we live in an NBA 2K simulation that we would all just throw our Xbox out the window. It's just insane. Like, I don't see Paul George. I I don't want to say I don't see him leaving, but it's just hard to see him leaving when you have the MVP of the NBA, just off the sole principle of that when he hasn't had a single you know non-Roy Hibbert all-star <laughs> as a teammate his entire career and in Indiana you, and then yeah. now you add in yeah no. well I, I guess Danny Granger counts too yeah but like not when he was at his peak like when George's at his peak in Indiana when he, he was an all-star so uh, and then you add Carmelo Anthony who whether you think he deserves those all-star nods the past few years or not Carmelo's a name-brand player. He's a talented scorer. Makes the game easier for Russell Westbrook and Paul George altogether. And I, I it's going to be yeah, so much fun. Yeah, it really is. I, I bet he probably views him as better than any player he's ever had in Indiana. At, at, when when the trade went down, it was Saturday, right? Yeah, I believe, yeah, I believe when, you're correct. And uh, like I'm going to stand by what I tweeted. The Western Conference just got whole lot more interesting it really did it really did <laughs> and of course and mellow would be the player to make that happen yeah yeah and <laughs> now now that we're you know talking uh, i know our last podcast we talked about obviously the different superstars moving around and then we speculated mellow a little bit at the end and we i mean at least i thought and i'm sure you thought a little bit grant that that was probably the end of you know superstars really moving the only other big one would be um mellow to probably like houston is what we ended up thinking what would happen but going along with that talk now now that our short little podcast here is basically about the same stuff just an addition if if you will uh let's let's shift gears to a new member of the cavaliers Dwayne wade 
You know, uh, I don't know if uh, I've seen a lot of reactions on social media about how this move make. You know, I've seen a lot of good and bad reactions, I just say. But, like, the good reactions, they seem a little too enthusiastic about it. I know the keep LeBron happy mantra where, you know, he's just super enthusiastic about playing with his man, Dwayne Wade, again and all that. But you got to think from a functionality standpoint. Dwayne Wade does not help you in a seven-game series against the Golden State Warriors. No. He is almost the antithesis of what you need against the Golden State Warriors <laughs> because you need to maximize your perimeter shooting volume, and then you need to maximize your perimeter defense, running guys off the three-point line, forcing turnovers, all that good stuff. And at this stage of his career, I just don't see Dwayne Wade really helping in any of those key areas. He doesn't check any of those boxes. And he's essentially a liability in all those areas at this stage of his career. So it's just it's just tough to see the enthusiasm. And then we already saw the terrible defense that Cleveland played last season in the NBA playoffs throughout the entire playoffs. It was it was bad. Like I I think they got worse defensively, obviously, with Isaiah Thomas being their starting point guard when the team's healthy, and then possibly having Dwayne Wade as their starting shooting guard too. I I really don't see that team having almost any chance against Golden State in a seven-game series. Uh, a few thoughts here, Grant. Uh, I'm, one, I'm just currently staring at the potential lineup come playoff time for the Cavs, and they have IT, Wade, James, Love, and Tristan Thompson starting, and then you have Rose, Smith, Corver, Crowder, and Fry. You know, I guess that second unit. What It's not bad when you're just looking at it, but... Uh, one, Wade, like we saw in Chicago a little bit, he obviously started some games, but I, I think he's at the point in his career where he needs to just be that kind of six-man off the bench a little Especially bit. Especially if you have a guy like Jay Crowder. I'd much rather start Jay Crowder over Dwayne Wade, and I'm going to stick by that. Everyone Easily. can hate me all they want on Twitter and whatnot, but if you want to be good offensively and defensively, especially, let's say, against the Warriors, but just in general, Cra- Wade definitely... I don't know so much more now, but just over the course of his career, way more you know proficient and athletic on the offensive side versus Crowder. But Crowder still gives you about that like thirty-five to thirty-nine percent three-point uh, shooting, and then you add in his defensive versatility, and then I, I think that would be good. But the funny thing is when I saw um, this uh, signing go out, like we all knew it was basically going to happen, but there were rumors. Oh, there's the Spurs, there's the Thunder, Sam Presley again, and uh, Miami reunion. And so and we all kind of you know figured he's going to go play with LeBron. That's just LeBron went there, he's going to come Definitely. here, that sort of thing. But the funny thing I saw was the Thunder, just because of the mellow trade, they could only offer him uh, Dwayne Wade the minimum, which was 2.3 just because of how long he's been in the league. But... Be just because of the cap space, that's all they could offer him, and it was compared to the other ones, and the other teams, they couldn't offer him a lot more than 2.3, but it definitely got there like 3.2, around there, but the funny thing is, he signed with the Cavs for 2.3 million, which the Thunder could've could've gotten. I just, I just, that that obviously leads me to believe like we've talked about, he definitely just signed to play with LeBron. The money has no factor in this think whatsoever but also probably the uh if he played with the thunder he'd be coming off the bench and that's probably 
why he stayed away from that a little bit. Yeah, it's kind of an odd fit, if you will, because I, I know he could, OKC could use some, you know, some more backcourt help if Terrence Ferguson isn't an instant impact player. And Cleveland, obviously, they can, uh, you know, th- they can find a way to make him work, even though they have a million guards and all that, because <laughs> LeBron gets what LeBron wants, and rightfully so, because you got to do anything you LeBron can. LeBron James is the general manager of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Executive of the year, question mark? But anyways, uh, yeah, I it's just really tough to see this being a like a positive outlook for me in regards to the Cleveland Cavaliers this summer. I I kind of feel like it's one of those you've already you're you're played out and you have you're playing with house money if you will. Yeah. Like you, there's nothing you can do. You know you there deep down there's nothing you can do and unless there's like an injury to Kevin Durant's foot or Steph Curry's ankle, I just don't see anyone, you know, like in the East at all, stopping the Cleveland, I mean the Golden State Warriors. And then Oklahoma City is a different topic of discussion for another day, but ultimately I just don't see it happening. I mean, the interesting thing that I just sitting here thinking about, their supposed starting backcourt, you know, of Thomas and Wade. Obviously, Thomas isn't going to play till I'm guessing, around Christmas. Or who knows later. That, that depends. But so you have already a your point guard who's not going to be playing, and he's hurt, and who knows how he's going to play when he comes back. Don't get me wrong. I think IT is going to prove everybody wrong just because that's who he is. But then you add in your starting shooting guard, Dwayne Wade, who's in his 30s, definitely on the downward side of his career, who also is injury-prone. Very true. And then so say Thomas is out already. Wade is starting in the beginning of the season. He gets hurt. Now you're down your whole starting backcourt. Well, you could still have the all-star unit of Derrick Rose and Jay Crowder. But Derrick Rose is injury prone. <laughs> oh, uh, well, you could have the... I, I, I just... I, I, I do like some of the signings the Cavs have done, and I do think in areas they have gone better it's just how they put those players in those areas and i i think they're doing what a typical lebron gm does and sign veterans and cuz that's all they they've done quite a bit the past few years i agree and similar to how the miami heat greedles panned out they kind of over it's just hard to really explain old. it they got old and then they got their salary cap situation got exhausted and they were no longer good enough to compete for an NBA title with, you know, of course they can go to the NBA finals. And if you consider that competing for a title, sure. But ultimately (laughs) winning an NBA title was not necessarily likely at that point. And I know the Cavs, especially with LeBron being their center focal point, they're they're thinking when going after, you know, trades and free agency is going to be a little different than the Warriors. But I saw a stat today that the Warriors in like five years, it, it was talking about who's going to you know be competing or like what's the best starting five in five years. And the starting five for the Warriors right now in five years, the oldest of the two of all five would be Curry and Durant at 34, which isn't really like extremely old, but they definitely, the Cavs I think need to go more that route. Like, okay, you know, build a young core and, build them up which the Warriors obviously did but like I said the Cavs are at a different point right now because LeBron 
is holding out for uh, little Bron Bron to come play. <laughs> you know, it's almost like playing Tetris when you don't have a, a complete young core, like a, you know, a young point guard. You know, I don't know who I'm thinking of who could have been that guy, but maybe a Kyrie Irving yeah. type player who could have been there for extended I amount mean, of years. The nice thing is they do have that Brooklyn pick now. That's very true. So very they true. definitely could get a star, but obviously LeBron could leave after this year. You know, there's a whole lot of, you know, ifs out there. It's also a weird draft. I know it's really it, early. Yeah. You know, with like big men and wing I mean not like not like small forward wings, but more so modern basketball power forward wings. So it's just like uh, the, like early look at it. It's it's gonna be I I don't know if having that number one overall pick is as good as people think it is. Like obviously yeah. this past draft, like yes, like you you're literally the team to be if you have that number one pick, which yeah, is exactly. Court. But this coming draft class isn't as loaded, but I I still think I, I think they'll trade it for another player. But what we'll, we'll kind of see what general manager LeBron James does. But of course he brought in his best friend to lose four to one in the NBA finals again. So I mean that's all I have to you know talk about Melo and Wade. It's kind of straightforward signing and. So you have any last thing to throw in, Grant? Um, you know, honestly, at this point of the NBA offseason, I, I don't see anything else really happening. Uh, you know, the training camp started. A lot of, you know, everyone's just getting back into the swing of things. I think we kind of ran out of headline, you know, content in terms of, like, you know, players moving teams and all that good stuff. But really... It's just an interesting time because this is a random random thought, but it's like kind of refreshing to see all the almost I, w- I wouldn't say baseless, but baseless enthusiasm in every single team's training camp. Like I don't like we can almost have a full podcast about that, like of the funniest uh, comments and all that. But it's just funny because everyone is gonna do great things. Everyone's happy this time of year, and it's just kind of funny to see, especially with all the negativity around. Yeah, yeah, what I, I agree 100%. So, I mean, kind of just to wrap up this, you know, short little mini podcast, emergency podcast, if you will, uh, about, you know, the Mellow and Wade deals. But, yeah, so if you're just listening, hope you enjoyed it. Be on the lookout for Hoodie Mellow. He was literally Hoodie Mellow the first day in OKC, so... You know, it could be a good year for OKC, and the Cavs could be stuck right in the same spot they were last year, so stay tuned.